There's nothing heroic in going down fighting if it can be avoided. Nothing even remotely patriotic in death or glory if the odds are firmly on the former. <clears throat> nothing inglorious in trying to shorten a war that we are clearly losing. Losing! Europe is still... Europe is lost. And before our forces are wiped out completely, now is the time to negotiate in order to obtain the best conditions possible. Hitler will not insist on outrageous terms. He will know his own weaknesses. He will be reasonable. When will the lesson be learned? When will the lesson be learned? How many more dictators must be wooed, appeased, good God, given him mixed privileges, before we learn? You cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry no more Hi everybody, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event Yeah, I started with that little scene from uh, The Darkest Hour If you haven't seen it, go see it I'm probably be on video pretty soon Because uh, they played it one time a couple weeks ago before the Academy Awards, and uh, Don and I snuck in and saw it, and uh, what a great movie, a great movie, uh, Winston Churchill, and I thought I'd uh, finish it with uh, some carry-on wayward son, a little uh, call-out to uh, President Trump, do what you know is right, Stop. don't listen to the press, because they're all a bunch of blowhards, and I'm going to talk about that specifically, just as soon as I, inter- as soon as I introduce myself, uh, going to really talk about people misunderstanding and misdirecting uh, what everybody thinks and what's going on in this world and in this country. But as I said, let me introduce myself first. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender based here in Southern California. Offices all over the place. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are still fantastic opportunities, call me toll free, 855-640-2020. That's 855 855- 640-2020, one last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to talk with me, uh, but you don't want to talk with me on the phone because uh, you don't want your wife to hear you talk about your stuff uh, when you're home or you don't want your neighbor at work to hear your personal stuff, go to wccloans.com, www.wccloans.com, where we have uh, all kinds of mortgage information for you. If you want to apply for a loan right away, just go to Loan Center, click on Apply Now, give me as much information as you like, and uh, tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from me or one of my talented teammates. Uh, if you'd like to email me first, hit the contact page or my direct emails, edhoffman at wccloans.com. Um, if there's any part of the uh, if any part of the uh, show you want repeated, edhoffman.net has the go to the podcast page there, edhoffman.net. Go to the podcast page. Uh, you'll find this this week's show as well as the several past week shows. You can uh, down you can listen to them on demand, download them. Uh, you can uh, also get the podcast on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can subscribe for free. Have it download once a week automatically as we upload it. It will download to your uh, your iPhone, your iWatch, your uh, iPad, your Mini Pad, your Maxi Pad, your uh, whatever whatever you're listening to uh, 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 podcasts on. 
and you can uh, hear it on demand. Uh, connect with me on uh, social media, Twitter, at Ed Hoffman. I tweet about current events all week long. Well, sometimes I do. Sometimes I do it sporadically. And uh, the show on Facebook is uh, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Uh, if you want to leave me some comments on the show, 855-640-2092. So uh, I, got a lot, I got a lot to talk about today. I hope I can finish it in one hour. So I'm going to just get to it and not chit-chat too much about dumb stuff. Of course, everything I talk about is dumb stuff in the scheme of things. I'm um, just trying to straighten you out on it. So Wednesday, there was a uh, 2018 real estate market forecast that I participated in out in Ontario at the Doubletree. Many of you may have been there. A lot of, uh, lot of um, uh, prestidigitators or uh, economists or uh, guys in the real estate business uh, or not in the real estate business that were giving their forecast on what's going on in this country in this country, specifically in this state, in this Inland Empire, talking about real estate and just in general, the economy. Um, a few people of, of interest, Bruce Norris, who also has a show on this uh, station, uh, was excellent, went through his uh, uh, the way he does data, quite interesting, um, came to a conclusion that, hey, there's no reason to think that we're going to have any bubble None of the indicators, none of the indicators show any any sign that we have a bubble. The the prices are going up slowly, slowly about five to six, seven percent uh, in California per year, and it's and it looks like a nice, steady, healthy, healthy economic uh, chart that he showed. Um, uh, nothing, nothing really too, uh, too, nothing to worry about there. He has some predictions about some lower interest rates than I predict. But overall, Bruce Norris was excellent. John Husing, the economist uh, for the Inland Empire, formerly of the uh, of the Irvine Company, um, who helped develop Irvine Newport Beach out there. Now he's been developing the uh, Inland Empire, and uh, he had some interesting stuff uh, to discuss as well. And uh, and I spoke for I spoke for about fifteen minutes, and uh, I gave my my take on it, more of a a less technical. Uh, less technical because I'm not an economist. I don't even have a college degree. You know what? I'm a college dropout, just like Bill Gates, just like Steve Jobs. And uh, then I went to college. I just, you know what? After uh, two years full-time and two years part-time going to engineering school, I just started to go, do I really want to be an engineer? You know, I, I wanted to be a lawyer and uh, you know what? Just I went to a career day thing and lawyers scared the, scared me, uh, scared me about what the commitment was going to be to become a lawyer in law school and passing the bar. And then, you know, my mom wanted me to be an engineer because I'm a math guy. And, uh, you know what? I just didn't want to be what my mom wanted to be. So I just did what I wanted to do. And somehow I ended up in the mortgage business, uh, 29 years ago. Uh, well, 28 years ago, I'm in year 29 now. Um, John Husing gave some stuff from a different, a little different point of view than I did. Cause he's, he's, uh, he's, he's primarily, projecting based on the inland empire and we were talking about um the fact that donald trump put on put on uh signed signed into play some uh tariffs on steel and aluminum imports so basically saying that as as we ship steel out of this country steel and uh, and aluminum when we when we ship to other countries we don't have tariffs or we the, the other the other countries charge a tariff for us to send them into their into their uh, country, but when they sent, send steel to us, we don't charge a tariff. So I don't know if how that rings with you, but common sense tells me it's a tax. 
And common sense tells me if they're taxing our stuff, why aren't we taxing theirs? We send cars over there. We send Chevrolets over there and uh, they charge like 50, 50%, 100%. So if you want to buy a Chevy in Japan or China or somewhere, you know where it would cost 25,000 here, it might cost 50,000 equivalent over there. When they send their, uh, their Toyotas and, and, and all the cars from all over the world, we don't charge a tariff. So no wonder there's so many foreign cars here and so few American cars there. And, and I can't, you know, say, well, you know, American cars aren't built as well. Well, you know, that was a, there was a time that I would say I would have agreed with that, but I don't agree with it anymore because I have uh, all American cars and they're all pretty good quality. And uh, I know people with uh, foreign cars and their cars are in the shop as much as mine are, which isn't very much if you take care of them. So, but there's a, but I was, a, I was commenting on the fact that, hey, to me, to me, as people are, are talking about, hey, the potential for trade wars and they're saying, hey, you know, this is a stupid thing to do. This is going to be a problem. I think it's because our previous presidents didn't have the guts to stand up to our to our trading partners. You know what? Hey, you're going to charge us this. We're going to charge you that. And there's nothing wrong. If we've got steel here, why are we buying it from elsewhere? Oh, it's cheaper. It's cheaper. All right. It's cheaper because the quality is different. And I'm going to go into some details on that, but let me, uh, there's a particular, uh, there's a particular economist who's local here in Southern California. I'm not going to use his name because <clears throat> I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, I just don't want to soil his name. You know, I just disagree with some of the things he said, which is very un-Ed Hoffman, but uh, later I, I might reveal why this is, but you know, let me play, let me play some of his, those of you that were there know who this is, but, uh, here's a local economist talking about, and clearly he could, he comes up to the stage and says, Hey, he's the last guy to talk. He goes, I like to clean. I like to bat clean up so I can come in and, and dispel all the, all the, all the crap that you guys heard all day. So here's this, he's talking about trade deficits and steel and all that. So let's uh, play the first clip. Trade deficits, for the most part, are not driven by, shall we say, competing trade regimes between two nations. Trade deficits are largely a function of the gap between savings and investment within a nation. If we as a nation are consuming more than we should, then to make up for that, we have to borrow from the rest of the world. And that is more or less what the trade deficit is. And when we stop saving as consumers, even as businesses are ramping up their investment, that tends to open up the trade deficit. And that is exactly what we've been seeing. While we have seen a nice uptick in exports, imports are booming. And overall, the trade deficit for goods is now the worst it's been since 2008, early 2000, late 2007. This is reflective, again, of a consumer sector that's getting a little ahead of itself. And at some level, we have to understand it's our issue. Imports are booming. This is, uh, this is, be you know, th is it? It's a, it's the, the, the difference between how much we save and how much we invest. It's we're spending too much and that what creates trade deficits. I don't know if I, I don't know if that makes sense to me. And you know, it's say, Hey, here's a, here's a very well-educated, probably has a master's degree, maybe a PhD in economics. It just doesn't make any sense to me what he's saying. Uh, you know, the trade deficits, the difference between what we trade, what we save and what we invest and we're just consuming too much. I don't, you know, let me play a clip that I that I that I pulled out from YouTube from a, a little presidential debate from a little guy with big ears that was running against uh, Bill Clinton in 1992 and uh, George H.W. Bush uh, for president. Let me play this uh, this clip from Ross Perot. That's 
right at the top of my agenda. We've shipped millions of jobs overseas, and uh, we have a strange situation because we have a process in Washington where after you've served for a while, you cash in, become a foreign lobbyist, make $30,000 a month, then take a leave, work on presidential campaigns, make sure you've got good contacts, and then go back out. Now, if you just want to get out of brass tacks, first thing you ought to do is get all these folks who've got these one-way trade agreements that we've negotiated over the years and say, fellas, we'll take the same deal we gave you. And they'll gridlock right at that point because, for example, we've got international competitors who simply could not unload their cars off the ships if they had to comply. You see, if it was a two-way street, just couldn't do it. We have got to stop sending jobs overseas. To those of you in the audience who are business people, pretty simple. If you're paying $12, $13, $14 an hour for factory workers, and you can move your factory south of the border, pay a dollar an hour for labor, hire a young 25, let's assume you've been in business for a long time, you've got a mature workforce. Pay a dollar an hour for your labor, have no health care, that's the most expensive single element, making a car, have no environmental controls, no pollution controls, and no retirement, and you don't care about anything but making money, there will be a giant sucking sound going south. So we, if, if the people send me to Washington, the first thing I'll do is study that 2,000-page agreement and make sure it's a two-way street. I, one last point here. I've called, I decided I was dumb and didn't understand it, so I called the who's who of the folks who've been around it. And I said, why won't everybody go south? They said, we'll be disruptive. I said, for how long? I finally got them up for 12 to 15 years. And I said, well, how does it stop being disruptive? And that is when their jobs come up from a dollar an hour to $6 an hour and ours go down to $6 an hour, then it's leveled again. But in the meantime, you've wrecked the country with these kinds of deals. We've got to cut it out. Thank you, Mr. Hey, does any of that stuff make sense? Because that makes common sense to me. You know what? There's, there's a, and I'm going to talk more about North uh talk more about the North American Free Trade Agreement in a few minutes, but that kind of stuff makes sense to me, and that's 1992. Let me play the next clip from uh, our uh, our local uh, economist. I mean, this, you talk about irrelevant. I mean, this is so irrelevant. The fact that we're even having this conversation is odd, and I'll, I'll tell you why. First of all, you know, imports of aluminum and steel here, we're talking, oh, something on the order of, I mean, depending on how you slice the dice, $30 billion of imports, maybe $28 billion in imports. By the way, last year, we imported $2.4 trillion worth of goods and services. $2.4 trillion. I mean, this is a minuscule proportion of that overall number. It's just not a big sector. So this is, this is how the Democrats, this is how the Democrats uh, minimize things that they just don't want to talk about because it doesn't make any sense. No, hey, it's thirty billion dollars. It's insignificant because we import two point trillion, two point three trillion. So thirty billion is insignificant. Well, it's not insignificant to the people who work in that industry, and it's not insignificant at all when you think about hey, two point trillion. So does that mean that if you can't make a difference in an industry that's a whole trillion dollars, it's not significant? So it shouldn't do anything about it, because I thought that we were going to supposed to take baby steps. Fix the steel industry, fix this industry, the auto industry, the oil industry, the, this, this, this. Make the, make the changes one at a time. And you know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know how you build a castle? One brick at a time. 
That's how that's how it happens. So let's just minimize it. It's only 30 trillion. It's insignificant. Let me play the next clip. Well, well here's an interesting statistic. Did you know that 70% of all consumed and uh, metal products in the United States are metal products that were produced in the United States? Imports are only 30%. And by the way, the 30%, that's been pretty steady. Yeah, so if we can get that 30% of the of the steel that we get from other countries, for the steel workers, that's a 43% increase. 43% increase. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is, I don't know. Do, is that insignificant? It's not to the people that make steel. And so, and remember, whenever we bring another 30 trillion or $30 billion into a community, and I think, uh, I think the steel industry is like Kentucky, Pennsylvania, some of those states back there, you know, and, uh, I think, remember, you bring that 30, that 30, 30 billion dollars into it becomes the money starts traveling 30 billion. Then you pay that to the employees and they spend it on restaurants and houses and all that stuff. And it stimulates the economy. Let me play the next clip. But what about the jobs? Again, every time somebody's for this starts talking about the jobs, they'll tell you, oh, it's all about those steel workers. Oh, those poor towns that have been wiped out by foreign steel. Really? The entire metal industry, the entire primary metals industry in the United States, the entire thing right now hires less than 100,000 people. 100,000 people. Okay, well, hey, you know, it's only 100,000 people, but let's let's think about it. You know, we're, we're uh, you know, after Sandy Hook, uh, the Sandy Hook school shooting by... Uh, uh, what's his face? I wrote his name down here. Uh, Adam Lanza, who uh, shot his mom, then went and killed 20 kids at the school and six adults. And, uh, you know, and then since then, we've had 400, 400 people shot in 200 shootings since then. Uh, you know, that's only that's only like 400 people out of 330 million. That's only point zero 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 one two one two one percent of the people. But we're sure are making a big stink over over gun control because it meant something to 400 people that lost their kids. Now let's talk about the employees. Let's let, let's hear, let's hear uh, these two employees are employees of steel companies in Kentucky that were there when uh, president Trump uh, signed the tariff. My name's Dusty Stevens. I work at uh, Hallsville, Kentucky. Right now we're running at 40% capacity. Two years ago, we shut down 60% of the capacity when we had a downturn in the market. My father worked in the industry and worked at that plant for 40 years, so this hits home uh, for all of us at Hallsville. By these tariffs going into uh, place, this gives us the ability to come back to 100% capacity, investing over $100 million to our plant, and over 300 and some odd jobs will be brought back to the communities. So I'd like to say thank you. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody. My name is Scott Sarge. I'm president of Local 2227. And I'd like to tell you a story about uh, my father during the 80s. Uh, he lost his job <clears throat> due to uh, imports coming into this country. And uh, I just want to tell you what that does to a man with six kids is devastating. So I, I never forgot that looking into his eyes in my household, what that does to a family. You hear about it. But when you're actually involved and it impacts you, it's, it, it, it'll never leave you. And you know what? That'll never, that'll never leave you. Is this insignificant to those families? And are those families less important than the percentage of people in this country that are, that are gay or LGBT that 
that we made a big stink over to make sure we changed the definition of the word marriage so that we can make gay marriage uh uh, gay mar- we made such a big deal out of that, you know, transgender people. We got to have transgender bathrooms. We made such a big deal out of that, but the steel industry, insignificant. You know, why are we even talking about it? Trump is a is a is a big distraction. He's he's gonna create a trade war. You know what? Have some stones, everybody. You know, let's let's do what's right for this country. Let's let's be let's make some let's make some common sense moves. And stop, you know, all these countries that are charging us tariffs, they also chart, we also send money to, to send them for aid for their people. And they, we give them money for this and we give money for that. Because if we don't give them money, they won't be our friends. It just, it's just enraging to me. Um, how about the people that pay taxes? Hey, you know what? 50% of the whole country doesn't pay any taxes. But all we were concerned with in tax reform was the rich people don't get it. We don't give any cut tax cuts to them. Let's give it to the little people. Well, if you only paid $500 in taxes and you get a, a $50 gain, you know, that's a 10% in, uh, decrease. That's peanuts. That's crumbs. That's nothing. Let me pay the la- the, play the last clip from uh, this guy. We have 11 million undocumented people in this nation, and we have full labor markets. Wake up. This is not rocket science. This is basic facts. They are an integral part of this system. They need to be here. We need them. It's a wonderful match, and we should have more of them, from my perspective, because this nation is short of bodies. It's as simple as that. Yeah, we're short of bodies. I think we're not short of bodies. I think we're we're short of money to support all those bodies. You know what? Well, let's let's. Do you buy this crap? I don't. I don't. You know, hey, we should have some more illegal. We have some more illegal immigrants in here, because they're good for our economy. Except for they don't pay any taxes. Oh, yeah, but half the Americans don't pay any taxes either. So I guess it's okay. Just come in, make yourself comfortable. If you don't have a house, come into mine and, you know, make yourself comfortable. Except for don't, mine is a, is a, uh, is a figure of speech because if you come into mine, there's a gun in there that's going to explode on you. Um, so anyway, that, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing if you just buy all this crap. And, and let me tell you about, People coming over the border. Let me tell you about something called uh, the North American Free Trade Agreement. That hey, I was watching that. I was watching that uh, that debate in 1992. I had my kids wearing Ross Perot shirts, you know, and Ross Perot probably had a good chance until he dropped out of the race and then got back in, and then nobody took him serious. Well, is he in or he's not? He's committed. He's not. I don't know. This guy's a billionaire, uh, so he's who knows. Now we got Trump. We got the businessman we wanted, who actually went the distance. Let's support him. So let's talk about, I had a, I have some borrowers and I'm only going to have a time to finish this, to start this story. I have some borrowers. I, I met, uh, I met this lady at, uh, at Gary Sinise foundation, uh, cha- uh charity, uh, annual, their annual dinner in LA. And, uh, Don and I were, uh, uh, made friends with this lady in Temecula. And, uh, I don't know if I should use her name. So, but uh, she probably won't mind, but I'm just not going to now. I'll tell you next week if she says, okay. So, uh, her and her family, actually her mom, uh, owns about 300 acres in Temecula in different lots. And they farm. And they farm. They, they grow uh, avocados and they grow uh, grapefruits. And they have a, a feed store. And uh, they're doing quite well. And uh, mom is 91 years old. And uh, um, this lady brings her mom in because they want to buy the house next door to, 
to her for mom to live in and they're selling mom's mom's other house and we start talking about and we're talking about financial stuff just because I hey I want I want to get to know mom and where she's at so I can tell so I can give her some advice does she want to get a loan does she want to get a reverse mortgage what's the what's the strategy for getting this house she's got a ton of assets I'm just trying to, to get down to the bottom line and she starts telling me about farming. She starts telling me about, and I, and she's, she mentioned they've got like a hundred and some acres of avocados. And, and I asked her, I said, Hey, you know what? Everybody I know that has avocados, nobody makes money on them. And, uh, I'm out of time for this, this half, but I'm going to tell, she, she explained to me why, and she explained to me why it's, it's hard, almost impossible to make money in this, in this state specifically, but in farming, how, you know, and farming is a, is a, is like utilities. You have to have it. It's not, it's not a luxury. Do you want to buy a house? You want to rent a house. You want to buy an American car? You want to buy a, 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 a foreign car? Do you want to just take an Uber everywhere? Do you want to rent a car? Do you want to ride your bike? You have some choices, but when it comes to eating, you have to eat. And California produces about 50% of the food for the whole country. And let me tell you, when I come back after uh, five minutes of uh, traffic, weather, commercial, sports, and all that other stuff they do in five minutes, um, I'm going to tell you what I learned about the North American Free Trade Agreement, what's going on in farming. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk much about mortgages on this uh, program because it's, uh, it's boring. And I want you guys to uh, enjoy listening to my point of view on everything that's going on in the country. Because uh, if you don't know it, you won't know the truth, apparently. So, um, so, uh, it, but if you want to talk about mortgages, if you need a, a refinance of one of your properties, if you want to buy a new house, you want to rent your old house and buy a new house to uh, to live in. If you want to take advantage before the rates go any higher, you know the rates are the rates are about a percent higher than where they were a year ago, but uh, they're still great. They're still great. Um, and, uh, before the rate, before the uh, prices go up any higher, you want to buy, or if you want to get some more information on that reverse mortgage thing that everybody's talking about and find out, Hey, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, call me toll free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020, or get me on WCC loans. And, uh, I don't know what else I need to say, but let's, let's get back to our story. So before the break, we were talking about, uh, the economy and the forecast. And I had mentioned that I uh, have some clients that are in farming in the, in the, uh, city of Temecula. And, uh, they, and I learned some things this week that I probably just scratched the surface and I'm probably going to have to have one of the family members in here and, and actually interview, uh, interview the son. Uh, but the daughter and the, uh, and the, uh, and the, and the mom of this family that farms in Temecula explained to me, I said, so I, I asked her about avocados. They grow avocados and, and, and uh, grapefruit, and they've got a bunch of builders trying to buy their dirt to build houses on it. They've been holding out, and uh, but they've got a ton, a ton of really valuable land in Temecula. And so I asked her about the avocados. You know, is anybody making, doesn't seem like anybody makes a profit. I have a, one of my guys that worked for me that actually bought a place in uh, Fallbrook, had a bunch of avocados, and he ended up, it cost him so much, he just got discouraged with it and sold the house and moved to, moved to the beach. So, but, uh, but, you know, I think everybody thinks they're going to make money on these avocados because everybody loves them. The problem is that North American Tr Free Trade Agreement allows Mexico to send in their people. 
and so send in all their all their fruit all their fruit and produce and since they grow so many avocados typically from what from what i'm told they would normally start harvesting avocados in february and start shipping it all over the country problem is is that because like ross perot said in that clip i played in the first half um you know their people their people work for less money their their regulations are lower they don't have the sanitation the sanitation requirements of them as we do in California. They don't have the pesticide uh, the the pesticide uh, regulations. Whereas in California, you have to get a new license, apply for a new license every year, and you got to take a test and you know about how you how you spray your your crops with pesticide and what time of the day you're allowed to do it and all the different things and how it gets run off and the runoff from the water and how all that stuff works. And we have a little thing called a water shortage because Jerry Brown's an idiot and all the all the idiot, idiot Democrats that don't really understand that we need water to grow food and to sustain all the farmers in this state. And instead, they let it go out there to save the Delta smelt. You know, if they could just uh, build a water system or maybe instead of that uh, crazy train that goes to nowhere, maybe do some desalination. I'm told I'm, I'm going to learn some more from family members of uh, this family when I dig a little farther into it. But unfortunately, because all the cheap avocados come in the beginning of the year, until their crops are gone, no one's going to buy the more expensive avocados, the ones that actually uh, don't have the pesticides in them, the ones that are grown under you know, more healthy circumstances, and, and they're probably a better quality. But, you know, the cheap avocados come over. Until those avocados start to slow down, they don't start harvesting in California. So California starts harvesting about April instead of February. So they miss two months. And during the, those months, if the wind blows the avocados off the tree, they have to throw those away. Because you know how the dirt gets gets from the dirt through the peel of an avocado into the into the actual meat of it. Uh, oh yeah, it doesn't. But that's the rules here in California. So because of that, it cripples the the farmers here. So they start harvesting in in April and hope that Mother Nature cooperates so that they can they can make enough uh, so they can sell enough of their crop before it all goes bad. That's the North American Free Trade Agreement. Had we not had that, you know, they that if we put some some. Uh, some uh, equal rules on them as it is on us, you get better quality and the farmers in this state would actually be able to stay, stay relevant. They'd actually be able to make some money. But because nobody thinks like Trump does, hey, what's fair for United States? Trump, we didn't elect Trump to be the president of the world or to be a member of the world. We want him to, to lead our country just the same way as we... Uh, elected elected a uh, Bill Clinton when he beat Ross Perot and 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 George H W Bush and George Bush after him and and Barack and Saint Obama and now Donald Trump they're supposed to lead our country not make friends with everybody else lead our country and in cooperation with everybody else there's a big difference and maybe I'm not a uh, a uh, master's degree in 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 uh, economics but this makes common sense to me folks. I'm going to give you more information on this as it, as it comes around because I think you guys are in the dark as to what Jerry Brown and uh, some past uh, presidential people have done to our country. And uh, let's talk about a little bit more about California as we, as we go into what's going on now. Trying to keep your eyes open, folks. So uh, Californians, remember a few months back when our governor passed a law giving local government permission to refuse cooperation with federal immigration employee uh, authorities and signed the, into, into, into law a bill that made it illegal for landlords to turn in their undocumented tenants. 
Well, now Trump administration is doing something about these insane sanctuary state policies. Okay. And some of you guys out there listening and said, hey, I want it to be a sanctuary state. We don't need borders. This is an open country. This is an open world. Let's just be friendly with everybody. In a press conference Wednesday, Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced the Department of Justice is filing a federal lawsuit against the state of California. California absolutely appears to me is using every power it has, powers it doesn't have, to frustrate federal law enforcement. So you can be sure I'm going to use every power I have to stop that. We are going to fight these irrational, unfair, unconstitutional policies that have been been imposed on you and your officers, on our federal officers. It cannot be the policy of a great nation to up and reward those who unlawfully enter its country with legal status, social security, welfare, food stamps, work permits, and so forth. And open borders is a radical, irrational idea that cannot be accepted. The American people will not accept it. Yeah, we need we need uh, we need more. We need more of these illegal aliens here. We need more of them because they're just part of our economy. And of course, it's hard to sound tough when you're from Alabama, apparently. But here's uh, here's here's our illustrious leader Jerry Moonbeam Brown with his unsurprising response. This is really unprecedented for the chief law enforcement of the United States to come out to California and act more like Fox News. Uh, than a law enforcement officer. Now, the federal government ought to do its job and not blame California for its own inability to solve uh, the problem. I do think this is pure red meat for the base, and I, I would assume, but I, this is pure speculation, that uh, Jeff thinks that Donald uh, will be happier with him, and I'm sure Donald will be tre- tweeting his joy at this particular performance. This is basically going to war against the state of California. Hey, you know, maybe we need an uprising in California. Maybe we need it on June, uh, whatever, June 5th, I think it is, our uh, primary. Maybe we need to rise up and get rid of Jerry Brown and all the all the idiot Democrats that run the state and maybe take it back. There's a thing going on on the Internet about called uh, Cal Exit, where the California wants to uh, is talking about. There's a, a group of people leading a, a movement to get California to exit the United States to uh, what's the word they call it? Uh secede from the union uh, where they become their own country hey you know what i think if people want to secede i think us republicans should rise up and take back our state they want to secede move to puerto rico and take that away you know move move somewhere else well hey uh there's an island in hawaii called kahulave i think uh i think uh it's full of lepers but i think you guys can go stay there have your own country you know what i think we should take this back why are we giving up the state with the best weather uh, I think there's probably more of us than they realize there are. So uh, why is the Department of Justice now filing a lawsuit when Brown started implementing these crazy sanctuary state laws last year? Uh, in his press conference, Sessions suggested he was prompted to act last week when Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff tipped, her city, tipped it off her city's uh, residents about the upcoming uh, ICE raids and a thinly veiled attempt to tell her undocumented constitu- constituents to get out of town. In case you missed it last week, here's Mayor Schaaf's defense of her actions. My priority is to keep this community safe. It is not my wish to panic people, but to ensure that they're prepared with information. Residents should know that they do not have an obligation to open their doors if an ICE official knocks. 
While I am very committed to being a law-abiding citizen, I feel confident that my sharing this information, because I did not receive it through official channels, is legal, and frankly, it's my ethical obligation. I felt that it was my duty to share the information. Well, she, her, her, first, her first priority is to keep her city safe. Um, how does it how does it keep your how do you keep your city safe by stopping stopping law enforcement whether it's federal or state from arresting undocumented uh, undocumented illegal aliens however you want to call it undocumented uh, immigrants uh, who have broken the law now they broke the law coming over here und- uh, illegally anyway but then these people committed felonies and and they're and they're sweeping up people that are illegal to be here that have that have committed crimes. Why? How do you keep your city safe by keeping the people that break the law free? I don't understand that. Here's a uh, here's Sessions uh, uh, Alabama Alabama comments on that. Here's my message to Mayor Schaff. How dare you? How dare you needlessly endanger the lives of our law enforcement officers to promote a radical open borders agenda? I, I hate to make fun of our our uh, our attorney general, who's a Republican and who's doing who's who's enforcing our laws. But it's just hard to sound tough. It's he's not. Ex- it doesn't sound exactly like this. Go ahead. Make my day. No, uh, Jeff Sessions is no Clint Eastwood. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, President Trump also chimed in on Mayor Schaff speaking about his speaking about her in his weekly cabinet meeting. The mayor of Oakland went out and she she went out and warned them all scatter she's telling that to criminals and it's certainly something that we're looking at with respect to her individually what she did is incredible and very dangerous from the standpoint of ice and border patrol yeah at some point at some point people have to be responsible for what they do hey you know it's just i'm the mayor i could do whatever i want and since i'm a democrat and the president is a uh, is a republican i could just obey laws that i want and i could just i'm just I'm the I'm the queen of Oakland. I can do whatever I want. You know what? Aren't cities part of a state? Aren't states part of a are a part of a country? Aren't we supposed to be united? Why? Since when does since when does uh, getting rid of crime? Since when are there two sides to that? Hey, the laws are the laws. I don't understand. Well, these people are undocumented, so they're not. They don't have to obey our laws because they're not of this country. Then why don't we get them the hell out? You know what? These people are here, part of our, our economy. We need them here. Then why don't they pay their taxes? It's starting to get old, folks. Those of you that pay taxes, are you getting tired of paying? Getting tired of paying all those taxes when everybody else kind of evades it? Just kind of evades it? I'll tell you, I saw a borrower. I saw a borrower's tax returns this week that between him and his wife, they, pl- they paid in 38 bucks. In 2017, and they got eleven thousand dollar, eleven thousand dollar refund. I don't know, I don't know. You know what? It, I don't know how you feel about that. I don't mind people that make less than me paying less than me. I don't mind people paying. I don't really mind people who are who are under the poverty level paying zero. You know what? When when I have to pay so much of my my money to the government, the fact that they're giving it away to people that don't do anything for me. That don't that aren't provide you know I don't mind them paying the 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 military with it I don't mind paying them cops and fire de- fire departments and I don't mind them paying people to fix Cal you know that work for Caltrans stuff that is for the betterment of our country but why am I giving someone who doesn't 
pay any taxes that doesn't, uh, why are we pay, giving a big refund to those people? And this isn't one person. This is people all over the place. You guys know. You guys know. It's, it's, <clears throat> I just don't understand. Where is the common sense in this country and especially in this state? So let's talk about DACA now. Uh, speaking of the president, the deadline had him, that he had imposed on DACA this, was this week on Monday. So of course, there's a couple of a uh, couple of uh, of judges that keep keep putting an injunction or some kind of a stop stop uh, uh, motion there. Hey, you can't. You're not. We're stopping. We're stopping you from stopping an illegal executive order. You can't do an executive order to stop an executive order because it's illegal. Of course, it's not a law. DACA is not a law. It's a deferred action. And uh, Barack Obama knew it wasn't a law, but he signed it in. But Trump's not allowed to because, I don't know, if you're Republican, you don't have any rights and no power. If you're a Democrat, you have all the power. I don't know. Uh, as we predicted, March 5th deadline was essential, essentially useless because of two rulings by the activist judges, which I just said. Um, by the, by the, uh, but the fault lies with Congress because they could not... They could have put a legal fight to rest by passing DACA bill on, on March 5th deadline because um, all they have to do is agree to fund the wall, no more, uh, no more uh, um, chain migration, no more lotter uh, visa lotteries, and uh, just uh, give up the appropriations for the wall. That didn't happen because Democrats don't want to put funding to the bill for the, uh, for the wall and the extra border security. President Trump mentioned this in his speech to the Latino Business Coalition on Wednesday. This is our moment. Go get DACA. Go push those Democrats. I'm telling you, it's close. So this is a moment for DACA, for all of us. But this is a very special moment. A lot of tremendous things can happen here. Right now, so many tremendous things can happen if people want them to happen. Yeah, they can if they want them to, but the Democrats only want to. It's kind of like, taking care of the of the of the minorities they always chime in on how they're gonna they're gonna take care of them but then as soon as they get as soon as they get elected they just forget all about them and hence uh, I think most of the black people realize that Obama didn't do anything for them didn't make their quality of life any better but the uh, the unemployment in the black community is as low as it's ever been in the Hispanic community as low as it's ever been things are you know we, they added 313,000 new uh, private sector jobs this in February. I don't know. That sounds a higher number than I remember hearing in years and years and years for one month. Things are actually happening. Oh, but wait, I didn't get my $4,000 for my tax cuts. Tax cuts, I'm supposed to get 4000 bucks. Hey, tax cuts have been in, in place for two uh, two months and one week. Got to give the chance your, your employer a chance to save some money so he can share it with you. If we need any more proof that going on to uh, our next subject... I think I've uh, think I've beat that one up enough this week. We need any more proof that Robert Mueller's Russia investigation is a circus. We got uh, we got it this week. Sam Nunberg is the latest person to make a name for himself in the Mueller probe. Nunberg, a political consultant who first worked on Mitt Romney's campaign in 2012, later worked for Trump off and on 2014 and 2017. He was subpoenaed by Robert Mueller this week and claims he won't cooperate. But he did appear on uh, on two on four cable shows on Monday, two PMS NBC and two on the Communist News Network. Apparently, middle of some apparently in the middle of some kind of manic episode. It's what social media is called the hashtag Nunberg meltdown. Let's hear some of it. I'm not going to cooperate. What do I have to spend 
88 hours going over my emails. I think it would be funny if they arrested me. By the way, I think my lawyer's going to dump me. What do you think Mueller's going to do to me? Uh, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. Trump may have very well done something during the election with the Russians. And if what we makes find it out, if he did that, I don't know. Talking to you, yeah. I have smelled alcohol in your breath. Well, I, I have not had a drink. You haven't had a drink, so that's no. not... No. Anything else? No. 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 Besides my meds. Okay. Antidepressants. Is that okay? Uh, you know what? Well, I haven't been drinking, but I took my meds, my antidepressants, because, you know, hey, I'm a, I'm a little bit uh, unstable. I need to have some meds. I'm come on TV and go crazy. Smells like alcohol, but, uh, you know, uh, seems like I've experienced that somewhere before. I don't know. I don't know. This guy's a whack job, and he's making a circus out of this thing. But, you know what, after, uh, is, has a year and a half gone by, year and a half since Trump's been in? And they're still investigating. They still haven't found any any uh, evidence of Russian collusion, except from the the Democratic National uh, Committee and the and the uh, and the Clinton campaign. But we're still searching. Does anybody know when we're going to turn off that money tree that's funding this thing? Um, you know, it could go on. Oh, but you know what? Let's go back to our economists. You know what? Hey, you know what? It's you know a couple hundred million dollars. It's not anything. It doesn't make any difference. You know, it's I don't even know why we're talking about it. Cause guess what? What could we do with that money if not? We could do something useful for people that need some help. And I'm not said people that want some help that could help themselves. I'm talking about you know what I don't have any problem giving money to charity to make sure that that we're gonna take care of our wounded veterans or or uh, disabled people or or people that can't do for themselves. Not won't do for themselves. Hey, let's give it to the government. Give out some EBT cards for people that don't want to work. I don't think so. If things could get any weirder, as if things could get any weirder, we're now hearing about 2017 meeting on one of the islands in the in the Seychelles, in the Seychelles, which is uh, on the oh, I'm sorry, the island of Seychelles in the Indian Ocean. You know, remember that place where that uh, Malaysian 777 disappeared it went from malaysia heading up to uh heading up to uh korea or or somewhere up there and and it just kind of veered to the left and went over the indian ocean and it went over a bunch of little islands you've never heard of that had uh actual radars on it and just disappeared and we don't know if it went down the indian ocean or the atlantic or the pacific or the or where it did the antarctic ocean it just it just disappeared all those people no parts ever washed up i don't know i don't want to be alex jones but um, remember that? Well, apparently there's a, an island out there called Seychelles, and there was a secret meeting there off the eastern coast of Africa. According to the Washington Post report, United Arab Emirates arranged the meeting days before the Trump's inauguration. It was attended by Lebanese-American businessman George Nader. I wonder if he's re related to Ralph Nader. I know, so uh, uh, Lebanese-American businessman George Nader, who acted as an advisor and representative of Emirati Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nayan. Don't know if I pronounced that right, but I gave it my best shot. Eric Prince, a longtime supporter of Trump campaign and the founder of Blackwater Security for Firm, uh, and the and the last one is uh, Kirill Dmitriev, which is the head of the Russian government-controlled wealth fund. So all these people were meeting on Seychelles Island. Uh, Prince testified. That's uh, Eric Prince. Uh, testified before the House Intelligence Committee last year that the meeting took place 
but it was an unplanned, unimportant encounter. Kind of like that that uh, that unplanned, coincidental meeting of of uh, Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton on the tarmac of the Phoenix airport. Hey, you know, we just happened to both be in the same place. Hey, there's Loretta Lynch's plane. I'm going to just step out on the tarmac and say hi and talk about grandkids. I don't know, exchange some recipes or something. So it was an unimportant, it was unplanned, unimportant encounter with Dmitriev that came about the cha- about by chance because he happened to be at a luxury hotel in Seychelles for unrelated meetings with Nader and other representatives of the United Arab, Arab Emirates. I don't know. Sounds weird, but if you can ask, but if you ask Adam Schiff, there was a more nefarious reason for the meeting for the incoming Trump administration to set a back channel up with Russia. This Seychelles meeting uh, was part of an effort to establish a back channel to Russia. That the meeting that Eric Prince had with the Russian uh, banker was not happenstance uh, is obviously at odds with what we heard in the testimony before the House Intelligence Committee. And uh, look who just came back into the picture because of this story, Obama's National Security Advisor, Susan Rice. Remember how we learned she unmasked people in an attempt to undermine the Trump transition? Well, she unmasked the attendees of both both uh, this meeting and a meeting in uh, one month before in the Trump Tower, whose attendees included Jared Kushner, Don- Donald Trump Jr., and the Crown Prince. Here's Fox's Catherine Harris to explain the details on that. The Crown Prince is an important player in all of this because he has a close relationship with the Russian President Vladimir Putin. And Rice said she feared the meetings were evidence of this back channel between the incoming administration and Moscow, though the meeting was described to Fox News as an effort by the administration in good faith to build relationships during the transition. I don't know if that means anything to you, but it sounds like a bunch of uh, conspiracy crap that's going on. And uh, you know what, folks? I'm out of time, so pay attention to what's going on. Don't listen to what the pundits are saying. If it sounds if it sounds like what Trump is doing makes sense to you, it probably makes sense to everybody. Uh, common sense is still common sense. Uh, economics are are not don't require an economics degree to understand them. If it's uh, you know two and two are are four, they're not five, and uh, you know just use your common sense. Watch, listen, think, and uh, consider. Make up your own minds. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week. The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate, broker license number 01147747, and California Finance Lenders License number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions, MB number 096199.